Hey everybody, you're listening to Big Things with Zach Miko, and on today's episode, I sit down with the guys from the Hey Man podcast, therapist Avi Klein and novelist Sam Graham Felson. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the theme song. Welcome, everyone, to Big Things with Zach Miko. As always, I am your host, Zach Miko. Hope everyone had a lovely week, as always. I hope you guys uh, stayed out of the heat. We had a pretty massive heat wave this weekend, which was awful and ultra rough. If you're, I'm a big guy. Big guys don't like the heat. I hate the heat. I run so much warmer than everyone else. I mean, my average body temperature is way lower than most people's. Like, you know how everyone's like, nah, 98.6, that's normal. I run at like 96.9. So if I'm my body's up to 98.6, I start freaking out. And in, especially when it's like 117 out, however hot it was, it was miserable. I do not do the heat well. Big people do not like the heat. Northerners do not like the heat. I am uh, very glad that I survived. And I hope all you survived. I hope you stayed nice and cool. Um, I hope if you had a pool, I hope you were in it. If you had air conditioning, I hope you were in it. If you had neither, I'm very, very sorry. I hope you went to northern Canada or something like that. Um, Anyway, we got a great episode for you guys today. I sit down with the hosts of the Hey Man podcast. For those of you who are unfamiliar with my show, you know that every now and then I like to do crossovers with other podcasts. So what happened is I was invited by um, Avi and Sam of the Hey Man podcast, which is an advice podcast for men. And considering I've been writing an advice column for Chubster called Big Questions, um, which all of you should go to Chubster.com and read, like, I think I've done like 15 of them at this point. So there's there's plenty of big questions to read and you can submit your own questions. Uh, and maybe I'll answer them this week. But regardless, Hey Man Podcast is an amazing podcast by Avi and Sam, who um, Avi Klein is a therapist, and Sam is a writer and a novelist, and it's it, it's a lot of fun, and they give a lot of very sound advice for men, and we're fans of each other, so it was pretty exciting that they asked me to be on the podcast. So we thought we'd do another crossover. Um, this one, I'm more being interviewed, but we get deep into men's issues and it's a lot of fun and I think we have a very important conversation. So I'm really excited to bring it to you guys. So I'm not going to just keep talking about it. You know intros aren't my thing, so let's get right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, my episode with Avi and Sam from the Hey Man Podcast. Awesome. Welcome. Thanks for coming on. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so I I found out about you from the New York Times. Uh, oh, my that God. That was my first exposure to you, and I'm wondering what that was like. That's a pretty um, epic first introduction. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, New York Times was crazy. I'm trying to think when I did that. That was... Um, 
So just like a little background on yeah. who I am yeah. for the audience and yeah. for the world. Uh, my name is Zach Nico, and I'm a big and tall slash bronze slash men's plus. No one's decided on a name yet. So <laughs> I, I was uh, when I found out that Braun was like one of the the titles. I yeah. was really into that. <laughs> no, no, we're super. In, we actually we made that up at yeah. IMG. We were trying to think of a term because like for their female models, what they'll use is instead of using the term plus size, because some people hate it. I have no problem with the term plus size personally, but some people it's like triggering and they hate it. So um, so for their women's models at IMG, they refer to them as curve. Is uh -huh. So we're trying to think of like a masculine yeah. side and then like just kind of shooting back and forth. And then eventually someone said brawn and we landed on that. And then everyone said brawny, like the paper towel. We're like, yeah. no, not like that, <laughs> but, but close, but good. So, um, yeah. And I, it's, so I was the first one ever signed by a major agent. As I said, I was signed with IMG and I was the first one to work with a major retailer, I guess, advertiser. I don't yeah. know what you call it. It was target. I don't know. That's that's pretty conglomerate, major. whatever yeah. you want to call them. Um, so I kind of got a little bit of a pop of news from that. And yeah. then, yeah, eventually I got a call from the New York Times saying that they wanted to, like, do a profile on me. And the writer followed me around for like a week. Uh -huh. It was nuts. It was so much different because normally, you know, you do these interviews and you go in and you talk for five minutes or they'll just email you questions and you send it back. You don't even do that. And with since it's the New York Times, since it's like the, one of the last big, like old school, you know, journalism places. What, that's a terrible way to call it. But, but you know, one of like the, the last old school news sources. This woman followed me around for like six days, like doing everything. Anything I did, she just was with me and like would ask questions about like why I was picking the milk I was picking and like crazy <laughs> stuff. It was that's, fun. <clears throat> that's exactly what we want from the New York Times. No, exactly. That kind of insane thoroughness. I know. Um, I'm curious, did, so curve or plus size models, um, who are women, uh, yeah. existed a a while before like you were signed since by like IMG, the right? early nineties in the early Emmy was the first one. Um, and now it's funny cause Emmy's having like this resurgence. She's just doing an amazing thing. Now. Uh, Emmy, she was a newscaster and a uh, journalist back in the day. And that's she just started her name, Emmy, Emmy, E M M E. Okay. That's just her. That's like share. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she was a journalist, um, who eventually became a model and she was the first plus size model ever it was the first plus size model in america and now she's having this amazing resurgence of her modeling career because you know she went on not only she's an amazing model but she's a tv host and she's a author and she's done amazing things and now she's back into modeling you know in her late 50s and wow. it's the coolest it's super it's super cool to see everything come full circle what took like the modeling world or i guess not even the modeling world like the commercial world so long to want a plus size male model. Um, well, they didn't. <laughs> that was the thing they really didn't want. We kind of forced our way in there. Um, it was, I think it was a culmination of more, the men's plus modeling industry really follows in the footsteps of the women's. It, it they break down all the barriers. They really? do all the hard work. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then me and a couple of guys kind of trotted in being like, Hey, we'll give it a, a shot. And, um, it was more of a, a public outcry online. The retailers wanted nothing to do with us mm -hmm. at first. Um, and like none of the fashion houses wanted anything to do with us, but that's because we didn't fit their like ideal, you know, standards of what a man is supposed to look like. 
So because of that, they were very hesitant, one would say, um, sometimes hostile, sometimes outright like, no, we, we don't want to do that. But um, the body positive movement who had been started by, you know, women online became mm -hmm. inclusive with men and just the outcry online started more and more and more. Yeah. And I think Target just dipped their toe in a little bit there because when I first did it, everyone's like, oh, you were the, you were on this big Target campaign. No, I wasn't. I was on the e-com uh -huh. uh, for the like the e-commerce. I was the, like I wasn't on any advertisements when you went to Target.com to buy an eight dollar T-shirt. When you clicked on it, I was the dude wearing the eight dollar T-shirt. Uh -huh. That's all it was. <laughs> <laughs> but even that like little dipping their toe in kind of started this whole chain reaction. Wow. Why? I mean. It's, it's funny, though. It seems counterintuitive to me because on TV, <clears throat> you see countless in the movies, you see countless examples of, you know, men who are not skinny, you know, mm -hmm. um, with really thin, like, you know, super stereotypically attractive, hyper feminine, oh. made up women. Yeah. So you see that existing um, like countlessly in in like, you know, media that we consume. So it's just funny to me to think like. If we accept that, you know, um, movie stars can be, you know, not super thin or whatever, yeah. or, you know, why did it, why wasn't it something we wanted in our models? It's well, it's funny because, to me. uh, the, that exact example, yeah, it happens all the time, but only in comedy, you never, right. see, oh, it yeah. drama. You never yeah. see it in anything. There's something about the lovable oaf right. that people, that people are willing to accept, but they weren't really willing to accept the idea of actually finding like bigger dudes attractive there was like the because you know like kevin james was always with like leah remini or another right. very attractive woman and like seth rogan is always paired up with like Catherine, Catherine heigl or right. something like that um and that's easy for people to understand because even in those um movies they're always the women in their lives always like them in spite of their looks mm -hmm. never because of their looks yeah so I think there was still that idea that by putting someone in a clothing advertisement, now you're saying that they are attractive in some way, which was, it's, and it's hard to swallow. And it was hard to swallow for, uh, people who are in, you know, the women's plus community just because they'd been told it was unattractive for so long. And then finally people were fed up with it. And, you know, women were like, no, I, I want to feel attractive at the size I'm at. And then men started admitting like, hey, we've always found you attractive at this size. We yeah. just didn't think we could say that. And then it's kind of gone from there. Cool. Can, do you want to just um, tell us like a little bit about where you grew up and um, yeah. what what it was like for you as a kid? Um you grew up in Connecticut, right? Yes, I did. Um, I'm from Stratford, Connecticut. And you're very tall. I mean, you're you're a big for for people who can't see you because yeah. this is an audio show. You're a tall guy. No, yeah, I'm six foot six, and um, <clears throat> yeah, no, I grew up in Stratford, Connecticut, and was always the biggest kid in class. Always the tallest kid in the class, at least. Um, and you know, I had a pretty typical childhood. Like I, you know, was in Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts, and I played Little League, but. I did all these sports, but I did them all for like one year because being the big kid, I didn't enjoy sports like the other kids did because I was kind of, you know, you kind of end up being the punching bag of the team and all the other You're like kids. I would imagine, <clears throat> I mean, all the, the biggest kids in my class always, uh, like you have to do the harder work. Like you're, you're treated oh, yeah. like more like oh, a man it, it, in a way. Yeah, no, exactly. I was, I was always the kid who had to like 
like when we rearranged the classroom, I was the kid that had to like carry all the chairs and whatnot uh -huh. just because I was the biggest kid uh -huh. there. And yeah, you started getting those jobs like very early on yeah. being the big kid. It's funny. My, my, um, best friend from childhood, he was, um, six, three, I think in like seventh grade. Oh yeah. Um, that was me. I yeah. was the same. Yeah. And I shouldn't say it's funny. It's, it's actually sad. Like he, everyone was jealous of him because he could touch the rim on the basketball court before anyone else could. Of course, like uh, anyone who's short or, you know, medium sized and waiting to go through puberty, like looks up to the tall kid. But he actually told me later that like being the tall kid was incredibly hard for him and he felt yeah. awful about being tall. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's weird. You're, you're kind of forced into being, an adult very quickly. You don't get that. Like you go from being a child to kind of being treated as an adult, not by, not by adults, but by your peers. Mm -hmm. Like it's really, I remember like in middle school seeing like some boy was sitting on like some girl's laugh lap and they were like flirting. And I remember just something as simple as that. I was like, I couldn't do that. I would yeah. crush this person. <laughs> that's not a, that's not an option for me. Um, yeah, no, you, it, right away you start exactly like, even just things you start being asked to do more like manual labor type things <laughs> compared to everybody else. And, and it's interesting because you're, you grow up quicker than your peers do. So because of that, they almost don't know how to react. So they just kind of don't react to you a lot of the times. Like you're not treated as, as real or something like that? A little bit. Not by you. Always, like I always had friends, uh -huh. but I was never part of like, the main group of kids. I was never yeah. part of like the popular group or anything like that because of that. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it's just because, yeah, it's like normal kids. I don't know. They just don't know. Like, kids are kids. They're not, I mean, they're still developing. They don't yeah. know what's happening. So they just don't know how to react to certain things. And when all the rest of them are, you know, five foot three yeah. and weigh, uh, you know, a hundred pounds, 90 pounds. And here I am over 200 pounds and six foot two, like, you know, at 13 years old, it's kind of weird for them. You've talked about this on, on your podcast. So there's kind of two options for a big kid or a big high schooler. There's, um, well, you tell us what are the, there's the lovable oaf. No, there's the, there's the gentle giant. Yeah. And then there's what's the, the gentle giant? And, and then there's the dick, right? And there's the bully. <laughs> there's the, there's the big mm. asshole. Like, yeah. that's kind of like, your choice when you're that much bigger, you can either, uh, diminish yourself a little bit, like try to be humorous, try to be meeker, try to be smaller, just so people feel less threatened by you or just lean into the fact that people are threatened by your size and be that kid that takes lunch money and does crazy things. And most people choose the gentle giant side, yeah. I think, just because they still want to have friends. But a lot of the people who can't make friends just go, okay, screw it. I'm just going to just gonna be awful to people. <laughs> you, you seem like a friendly guy. So I am. No, I, I, def <laughs> I definitely went the gentle giant route. So yeah. just because it's, it's more fun. I don't know. It, it's, and, and at the time it was great. And you don't realize later until like later in your life that kind of, adding that meekness to yourself really like changed a lot of things that you did. And you don't really realize it until you're an adult. Well, we'll talk about that more. What, like, were there downsides to sort of presenting as gentle for you? Like, did you, did you ever feel like, shit, I actually have a lot of rage inside, but I'm not allowed oh, to yeah. let it out. Everyone you know? has rage. Yeah, yeah, totally. <clears throat> but no, a lot of it was, um, 
when you do the gentle giant thing, people do start taking advantage of you in a lot of ways mm. just because you are so friendly and you're so nice. And they kind of pick up on the fact that you want to be like this nice, friendly guy right. and you want to be this guy that people like. So you'll do things for people. Right. So, so that was one thing, you know, this one thing growing up is you end up doing a lot more things for people than you should. Probably sometimes you put yourself in a weird situation just to try to be helpful and trying to be friendly. And then as an adult, you, you can, it kind of starts, you kind of start realizing it when you find yourself not speaking up in certain situations. Mm -hmm. Cause I never spoke up because exactly as you said, it's like, I was afraid people would be afraid of me. So because of that, I never was assertive about anything. And it's really just in the past couple of years that I've started to be like assertive about things. And it's a lot more fun. It's a lot more fun. It's like, Zach, can you do this? I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> and, and it's just, it's, there's a lot of power in being able to just kind of decide what you want to do rather than be like, ugh. Jim asked me to do this, so now I have to go do it. Yeah. And nowadays I'm like, well, I don't want to do that, so I actually don't have to go do that. What what helped you make that change? Uh, theater school. So, okay. like, I got lucky. <laughs> like, I, I, we in When you're going to theater school or acting classes, you mo most of acting work is, like, long-form therapy. Okay. You're really doing everything you can to get as in touch with your emotions and your memories as you possibly can. And it was kind of through acting work that I realized I had been like diminishing my power mm -hmm. in order to make other people around me feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that realization, I've just been like slowly kind of feeding it back in. So can you connect the dots for us between gentle giant and then going to acting school like you've you have so you do you're an actor yeah and a model i am and uh and i you'd like I mean, kind of an unconventional fit for both of those industries totally yeah no, no, no absolutely and acting was where i was i mean i wasn't i wasn't even drawn to modeling it just sort of happened yeah. whereas acting you know i was drawn to acting because of this idea that i could be other people a lot of the characters especially in theater for bigger guys have a ton of bravado and a ton of confidence and that wasn't what i was so it was a lot of fun to play those characters and like put out this like you know false machismo attitude it was just a lot of fun to do so because of that i was super drawn to acting um but it's funny i was I, you know i had I've been acting professionally for the last 10 years and, you know, to middling success. Um, I was doing okay in theater, but when I made the switch to TV and film, it's, it's, it's fine. You know, I still got work, but nothing, nothing like earth shattering. And I thought it was just amazing that it's like, here I am in theater. That's supposed to be this huge, open, welcoming world. And I was always kind of set apart because of my size and because of the way I looked. And then modeling, which is supposed to be the most exclusive and closed off industry ever, welcomed me with open arms, no really? problem. But like, meanwhile, these like really bohemian hippie theater kids, it was still kind of like, I don't know, it was still kind of like not quite part of the group. I, won I wonder what, do you have any ideas about why? I think it, um, it's the same. It's just the industries are, 
any any entertainment industry, while there's obviously room for creativity because they you know they want you to be creative, um, they there's always there's a lot of this attitude of this is what's worked before, so we're just yeah. gonna keep doing the thing that worked, and that's why for big guys you see the villain, the henchman, and you see the lovable oaf right. and like the fat, funny best friend, and like that's it. That seems like especially in theater, like everyone has their type. I yeah. was sort of whenever I see like an actor in therapy, and they tell, I'm like amazed at the specificity of the types that yeah. are out there, and and if you don't really fit into a type or you don't want to be that type, you're kind of fucked. Oh, it's am- I'm going to an audition after this, and I already told my wife I'm not getting it just because <laughs> I like looked at, and you don't get most of them, but yeah. I was looking. Looking through the the side, you know, they were looking for a tall guy, like six six to six eight. Um, I was because like it's playing a knight, so I'm like, oh good, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. And then I literally got to a point that said, "Good shape." Uh, I'm not gonna get this. And my wife's like, "Why? Well, you're in pretty good shape." And I'm like, "No, no." When they write good shape on a like character spreadsheet, that means six pack. That's uh-huh. all that means. It doesn't mean like, you know. Uh, a barrel chested guy like me doesn't quite, f- that's not what, that's the, not the shape they're talking about. Right. They always mean cut when yeah. they write something like that. It's interesting. Just thinking about <clears throat> the typecasting stuff. I remember when Jonah Hill lost a lot of weight. Oh yeah. And people were furious at him. Oh yeah. They're like what the fuck is wrong with you, man? Like go back to being that guy that we enjoyed in those typecast roles. I know. You know? How did you follow that whole thing or? Um, Yo, yo, did I follow like the Jonah Hill thing? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Because what was funny about it was just before Jonah Hill did the thing where he lost a ton of weight, there was a movie with Seth Rogen called Funny People where Seth Rogen had lost a pretty good amount of weight. And Jonah Hill's character in that movie makes fun of Seth Rogen for losing a bunch of weight and like no one finds you funny anymore. That's a a weird thing that we do collectively. Like that everyone just sort of, it's like to make fun of someone for wanting to change themselves yeah yeah i don't get it yeah. but but it, it's i think it's just because it makes people feel uncomfortable anytime anyone sees change in another person it's always like a little bit of a reminder that you could change also <laughs> and you're like no, no i didn't want to be reminded of that today. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's a great point so so how did you get this first gig? Um, I mean, you're like the Neil Armstrong of. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! I'm not like, that, you no. should put that in your bio. Uh, the uh, Neil Armstrong of I mean, plus when, male modeling. I, but but <laughs> just, uh, uh, but tongue out of cheek for yeah. a moment. Like, did you have any idea like when you were putting on this T-shirt for the eight dollar Target T-shirt? Um, not even an ad, the thing that you click on on yeah, the e-commerce website. Like, Did you have any idea like, oh shit, like I'm actually breaking a boundary here. Like no, this is a new thing. No, absolutely. I, I, I was happy that rent was paid that month. That's okay. all I knew. I was like, oh good. My bills will be covered. I, even in my first um, shoot, nothing really fit me well. They had to like, they were cutting the clothes and stretching them out. And I was like, oh, this isn't going well at all. They asked me to shave, which I always say not to, you know, I always have a beard. And anytime anyone asks me to shave, I always say no, just because I've lost, I've, I've shaved and lost jobs immediately. Like the <laughs> second I was on set for, I was in the pilot of the TV show Limitless, um, which is based on the Bradley Cooper movie, but there's a TV version of it called Limitless. And I played the main character's brother. And then 
I, I got cast. I was super pumped. I was like, this is awesome. This is a pilot. This could go farther. Um, and it did just not with me and <laughs> because we show up to set and they're like, all right, we're going to need you to shave. And I was like, what? And now they've never, my headshot has a beard, uh, auditioned with a beard. They've never seen my face. And they're like, well, you know, the main character has like some scruff and you're supposed to be like his more put together brother. So we're going to ask you to shave. And I was like, you guys don't want to do you're that. Gonna it's gonna, you're going to regret this. Trust me. And I tried to like make a stink about it. Like for the first time I was like, I just know you're going to hate it and I know you're not going to want it. So it came down to the director being like, Nope, sorry, you have to shave or you can leave. And I was like, all right, I'll shave. And I did. And I walked on set and the director's like, huh? And I'm like, yeah, I do it because oh I have God. such like a little baby face without a beard. Like, and I'm too big to have a baby face. I'm like the biggest toddler you've ever seen. And it's really freaky. <laughs> and I'm supposed to be playing like the character's older brother. I suddenly look 10 years younger than him. I look like I'm 13 and just huge. And, and right after that, I, you know, I filmed the pilot. Pilot was great. Yeah. I was not asked back. Well, what, Can, oh. Just quickly, like what's, what's kind of amazing to me to think about, like you are, um, at this point, I mean, you have a big Instagram following, you have a column on chubster.com. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, that's an advice column. You are kind of like, um, you know, at least internet famous for being a body positivity, uh, you know, not spokesperson, but like a, an icon Guy. of body positivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet like in your job as an actor trying out for all these things and as a model, obviously like you must constantly have to confront people being like, Oh, you shaved your beard. You don't look like how I want you to look anymore. Like constant judgment oh, yeah. on your looks. So like, um, how do you do like, have you, have you just developed an armor? Have you developed a thick skin or is it the opposite? Like, Definitely just, have uh, to have a thick skin. Yeah. Cause like the, I remember the first round of like when press started happening, like people online are brutal. Like I would get, you know, I'd get made fun of every single day, like trolls every single day, people telling me I was going to die of diabetes and like all these and how I was promoting obesity and all these. And I was just trying to exist. It was just like, I was like, I am not promoting any of those things. I think diabetes is bad. I'm sure. <laughs> like, no I, argument I didn't here. even know how to like respond to these people. But um, no, you definitely kind of develop thick skin you also kind of see patterns in the way people are talking uh -huh. that you're just you start realizing like these are talking points people are fed their whole life of like why it's bad to be a bigger person or why it's bad to look a certain way or how unhealthy this is and how unhealthy that is and i don't know you kind of just gain an insight that you're you you, can, you don't get as offended because after a while i'm just like this is this person is like reacting from a place that they were told this is the truth and now I'm trying to counter their truth and people get really defensive of it. But it's, I mean, you know, not to, um, uh, sort of, uh, make this a bigger deal than maybe it is for you. But I think the fact that you, um, broke this barrier mm -hmm. and, um, you know, are showing that like, I'm not just like the lovable big guy on the TV show that you love in spite of his looks, but like I'm somebody who is like deigned attractive by the biggest modeling agency out there. Yeah, that um, helps. That it, definitely helps. It seems like, no, but I also think like, it seems like, um, people who have been taught their whole lives that, you know, um, big equals unattractive. Yeah. Like now have models, 
you know, who are, totally. who, are who are telling them something different. So, I, you know, I mean, it's the kind of thing like where, where gay marriage was like unthinkable probably to a lot of people of our yeah. generation when they were little kids. And now it's like totally normal. I mean, it, it's yeah. similar. There has to be, there's always any issue of acceptance, whether it be based on uh, race or size or religion or gender or sexual preference or anything like that. It's always, it's small chips and you know that you're going to get the most resistance at the front and then it'll slowly, slowly taper off to now it's like, I'm, I'm excited by the idea that there are things that like my daughter is who doesn't exist yet. Don't worry. But, <laughs> but she's my wife's pregnant anyway. Congrats. She, thank you. Thank you. She, um, she's going to grow up in a world where at least, you know, with her parents and whatnot, that she's not going to think twice about, you know, like seeing gay couples on the street or seeing people in like biracial relationships or anything that things that like was weird for even me growing up to see. Um, it's going to be so, I don't know. It's just so exciting that I'm like, she doesn't have to worry about all this. It's going to be different things for her though. I'm not going to know. And I'm going to be a crazy old bigot about something she's into. And I like <laughs> things that I don't even know yet. It's going to be like human robot relationships <laughs> right. and I'm going to be super against it. And she's going to be like, dad, you're so behind and backwards. And I'm like, ah, you don't get it. Like we don't, we, you know, it, it's slowly things chip away and slowly they change. And if you stop to look back like, you know, five, 10 years, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, that's a ton of change that yeah. happened in that amount of time. But it's hard to do what you're describing of actually being compassionate towards people for, you know, just having a limited perspective. Like the yeah. easier way to be is to just be like, fuck those bigots. I hate oh, those guys. And I do and sometimes. <laughs> don't worry. So do you like, I mean, has your relationship to trolls like evolved? Like, do you ever lose your temper and just write like, I hate you back or do you like, I, I usually <laughs> no. I do on the rare occasion I respond. It's more pragmatic of a response. Like I recently had a guy, um, claiming to be a doctor, leave this whole thing about what a terrible person I was, I was promoting obesity and how I had diabetes and heart disease. Is that like cancer. the main thing that you're hearing a lot of the time? Like, that's the big argument. Okay. That's the big argument that's is, funny. is, is okay. health. And to which, you know, I just responded to him and I was just like, Hey man, if you're a doctor, it's really weird that you're giving all these diagnoses, diagnosi, whatever to people to a man that you've never met, yeah. never examined, never seen my blood work, never put me through a stress test, never yeah. like you have no idea what my health is. You have absolutely no idea. You're making assumptions on the fact that I carry more fat on my body than you do. Yeah. But like it's so you kind of come at yeah, It's the only times I respond is when I come at is when I do it in a more like I just kind of try to lay it out for them. Say your piece. And then realize that sometimes it's not worth your time. <laughs> like, like your mental health is not yeah. worth it because you're never, you have to go into every interaction of like, you're never going to change anybody's mind and you're responding them to them for your own spirit and for anyone who like anyone who might be in the audience and like reading these comments to see what to you might, that, you're yeah. doing this for other people. And especially when it comes, that's the only times I really speak back to trolls is when I feel like they're attacking another group, whether it be 
other big people or trans people or the LGBT and, you know, and other members of the LGBT community or women, when I feel like that somewhat like a different group is being harassed, that's the only time I step in. You make fun of me personally all you want. I won't say anything. How did, but it, I guess I'm, what I'm trying to understand is, um, you seem like such a centered and, uh, just, just sort of like, you seem like you have equanimity about this kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. that's, it's so hard for people, especially if you're someone with name recognition and you have a lot of people lobbying just nasty stuff your way. Did you, is this just like your, just how you were born? Just like, you're just an even keeled guy or is this no. something you really had to grow, <laughs> grow into? No, it's something, yeah. it's, it's definitely something you have to grow into. I flew off the handle. I used to have you know, like any kid dealing with like body issues and like dysmorphia issues. I grew up with a ton of rage. I had a terrible temper and really it was for me. I, a lot of it was acting work, um, which again is like a lot like therapy. It was a lot of me just realizing where these emotions are based in. Cause like when you're working with a good acting teacher, you're like, what's your instinct? I want to kill this person. Why? because he said something bad to me, but why does that bother you? And he right. keeps stripping it down and down and down. And then you realize, Oh my God, because that girl, Mariana called me ugly in seventh grade. That's why I want to kill this person. And you're like, that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> and you sort of like realize that stuff. Um, but no, it's, it's also, I think a little bit is also being worn down by people is you just sort of like, it's, it's another survival tactic. You're like, I can keep, going crazy all the time yeah. or I can just what really has helped center me is the idea that when I'm like arguing with a person like that I'm like this person's base of knowledge is different than my base of knowledge and my, their beliefs are different from my beliefs and we're operating in different realities and I'll try to bring us our realities a little closer by talking to this person but if it's getting to the point where my reality is being you know damaged or threatened or it's hurting me or other people, then I'm like, this is not worth it. I'm just going to back off. You know, I'm wondering for me, the health stuff, honest, it hadn't even occurred to me. I mean, I, I get it, yeah. but <clears throat> I guess I'm going to expose, this is like a, a degree of wokeness that I struggle with, but like, I, I'm not so great about body positivity, to be honest. Like I could yeah. use your help, uh, you mean not, your own my own body positivity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, not other people's. I'm like fine, and I, I you're think like a, as a concept, I yeah, hate it. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I think lots of people are attracted, but but there's something I'm curious about how you sort of, if you do, or maybe it's hard for you too, how you came to view yourself as attractive when other people weren't viewing you as attractive. Um, it, it well, I, again, part of it was lucky that pe I had people telling me I, my wife played a big part in it like mm -hmm. and before my wife I did not ever believe it because even like ex-girlfriends would say like oh you're hot or blah 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 but I was you'd shrug it off you're like yeah you're just you're saying just, you're dating yeah. me you yeah. have to say that and you're only dating me because I have a car and I, I do things for you and maybe I make you laugh sometimes and that's the only reason you know what I mean yeah. I, there was always another reason people were around me it was never because they were attracted to who I was um so, so kind of really my big turning point was just kind of slowly hearing when people would compliment you, even as something as simple as like your mom being like, oh, you're such a handsome boy. And you're like, yo, whatever, mom. Yeah. 
even something as simple as that, if you just kind of listen to it one night, you're like, my mom's not an idiot. If she's saying I'm, I'm handsome, that's not just because she loves me. There's right. obviously something that people are seeing that you're not. And I don't know. It, it's, 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 it's really just allowing yourself to think in a different way where when I was talking about the acting work, it was like stripping down to like, why am I not attractive? Oh, I'm not attractive because, you know, I'm, I'm heavier. I'm fatter than most people than not most, but you know, some people and they're like, okay, but why is that a bad thing? Oh, well, because fat's unattractive. Yeah. But who told me that? Mm -hmm. And then you kind of just go backwards and you realize this is all a lot of our beauty standards are set by people selling us items. And when you kind of realize that, I mean, the people who decided, you know, that hair, co this one hair color was more attractive than the other hair color was the people selling us the dye to dye our hair, right. that color, the people telling us this is attractive. This is not attractive are the people selling the clothing, selling the workout tapes, selling that. So it's kind of like realizing that is it. I really feel also, I started finding myself more attractive when I, started expanding my own idea of what beauty was. Uh -huh. And I started finding other people that maybe I wouldn't have, you know, 15 year old me wouldn't have found attractive, but 30 year old me does now that I like have kind of like, no, there's different ways to look. I don't know. There's just, there's so much more variety in life. It's the best thing about living in New York. Yeah. Like there are just so many different attractive people here. Yeah. Everyone, takes themselves seriously, you know, like they're exactly. attractive. Yeah. But in like York, they look totally different. That's what's crazy about New York is like, it's, it's inspiring to walk in the streets. Cause you almost like, you see everybody that like at their best at all times, yeah. people don't now. And you'd see other people who just like walk out wearing sweatpants. Sure. But there's, you're so surrounded by other people that you see these really glamorous human beings walking around who might be, heavier or darker skinned or taller or shorter than, you know, you would normally find attractive. And you were just like, wow, that person is gorgeous. And you kind of expanding your own idea of what you find. Like, you know, 16 year old me was into like, you know, 120 pound blonde girls with large boobs. Right. And I've expanded past more than just that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. One, one thing that we've talked about in the past on this show is, um, how like, especially in high school, but even to some degree, I think in college, <clears throat> um, for me and to some degree for Avi, um, we were so concerned about what our male friends thought of the attractiveness of our girlfriends. Oh yeah. And it was like, and you know, I mean, one of, I don't have a lot of regrets in life. I just don't think of regret as a useful, um, emotion. Totally. I, uh, but, but one thing I, I wish you know, I mean, one thing I will not do again, but, um, well, first of all, I'm married, so I yeah, can't exactly. have another relationship, but, yeah. but one thing I feel not great about my past is like, there were women who ha had unconventional bodies or unconventional face shapes who I did find attractive and had a spark with. And, um, and I knew that they, you know, liked me too. And I just like, didn't go for it because I was ashamed that my buddies yeah. were like, Oh, well she's not the blonde like under 20 status, pounds with big boots. No, yeah. it totally is. <laughs> um, me and my cousin just had this exact conversation like a couple weeks ago. Like, cause we did, we real, we were talking about how there were 
similar. There were girls in high school that I like, I definitely could have dated and should have dated. I had a lot more fun with them. I was attracted to them, but it's exactly that. There was almost like this weird shame level in like having a girlfriend that wasn't perfect. So what happens is I ended up dating these other girls who were conventionally attractive, but were like not good for me yeah. at all. Yeah. And I, and it's just because there's a level of, there's like a shallowness that was very inherent in me. And I think in all teenage boys, for sure. just because we're told, you know, if, if they weren't Britney Spears, they were like, they were less than yeah, somehow. You're a loser. Yeah. And, and I remember having friends who, um, did have like a less conventional looking um, girlfriend and they were so happy and they had so much fun and I wish I could go back in time and like just, you know, I've, again, I'm also married, love my wife, never, don't ever want to be with anybody else. But there is that whole idea of that you're like, man, I could have had a lot more fun in high school and in college instead of like, well, and the, if that, I didn't care what other people totally, thought. Right. That it, what it's really about is like, if I, had listened to myself, I'd know myself better. Exactly. Right. And I'd be with someone who naturally attracted to these people, but there was something because they didn't fit a certain standard. And the worst part about it is I didn't fit that standard at all. Right. But it's like this, I don't know, this inherent thing that you're like, I remember thinking that I shouldn't date bigger girls, but I was a big guy and I was just like, and I, I remember being like, oh, well, that's because, you know, everyone expects that. I need to do better than that. And I'm just like, what? They, like, those, girls, than, yeah. those girls were way better than me. <laughs> <laughs> and yet I like there's, uh, you know, you fall into, especially as teenagers, when all you're seeing is, you know, these types of girls on TV and movies and in music, you think that's the only thing you can be with. And you know, now as an adult, I, like, you know, you're looking back, you're like, that girl had a crush on me. That girl was great. What was wrong with me? Totally. Yeah. Like, I mean, one of the things that I, I think is just a funny, sad fact about being a man is just like how many things, um, we didn't do because we thought other men would judge us for it. And, yeah. um, and I think there's like this myth that men are generally more self-confident and like, uh, rugged individualists than women and they just follow their hearts when in fact, like I'm pretty sure men are just as scared of the opinion of their peers. Oh, absolutely. As women are. I was, I was actually at a, at a wedding this past weekend and, um, uh, I was amazed by how much all of my male friends at this wedding, they were all friends I've known for a while since college we're, we're talking self-consciously about their weight and their body shapes. Oh, I know. And, you know, their hair and their face. Mm-hmm. Men talk just as much about their physique <laughs> absolutely. behind closed doors as women do. <laughs> oh, they absolutely do. I, I remember when I first started and we're talking about male body positivity. And I remember a couple comments online of there were some girls just being like, men don't need body positivity. They already think that, you know, they already think that everyone will fuck them and blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, they don't. Wait, what? what I actually kind of think about? men don't necessarily think they have bodies. I know. You know I what I mean? Like they don't, they're totally disconnected from them. And that's exactly what it is. It's a total, total disconnection. And then when we, especially when you get older and uh, our bodies start to change a little bit, yeah. that's when we start having a connection to it. But we start having a connection in a more panicked way. <laughs> You're like, why is my hair thinner? Why am I bigger than I was? Yeah. 
yeah. what is going on? But we were, men were taught to have no connection to their physical body in any way because men were, you know, we were, we repressed that there was something not manly about being in touch with your body. There was, I mean, there was, I think about how few men were into things like dance or yeah. something like that. Like, you know, every girl, every little girl I knew took dance for at least like, I don't know when they were five. Right. Right. I never, you know, it, boys didn't do anything like that. Boys didn't, we learned to use our bodies in sports mm -hmm. in a competitive nature, but never in a an self fulfilling way, right? and expressive nature. Right. And a lot of times to like play through pain exactly. or right. So which is just ignoring. No, your body yeah, again. exactly. And I mean, talk about playing through pain. I mean, Clay Thompson, the one of the stars in the NBA. Yeah literally tore his Achilles, right? Yeah. And yeah. continued to play uh, for another minute, right? Yeah. I mean, that's like one of the worst injuries you could have. He's going to sit up for an entire year, right. but there was this like, you know, the show must go on, even yeah. though I have a very severe injury. No, Clay Thompson went down yeah. in that, Kevin Durant, same thing, yeah, and it yeah. was just like, right. and yeah, you're taught, there's all these glory stories in the NFL of like, and he played you know, the last quarter on a broken ankle. Yeah. And you're just like, what? That's, he shouldn't have. <laughs> it's horrible. He shouldn't have. He's doing terrible things. It's yeah. permanent. Yeah. He's yeah. doing permanent, permanent damage. You know, not to go on like a deep tangent, but I was just reading about this, like someone, this thing online where someone was like, what's up with dick pics, you know, which oh is a big, God. big question. But it's also like, I don't think, because men, one of the things that's up with dick pics, I think is like that, like there's no other part of your body as a man that like you really like you would connect with sexually. You uh, yeah. know what I mean, like there's nothing. I kind of wonder what it's like for you because I, I would imagine you are sort of like an, a sex object to like, how many women. dick pics I've sent. That <laughs> <laughs> no. you get to think of yourself like a lot of men don't think of their bodies as sexual. Yeah, no, you know? it, it's it's a new it's a new experience yeah. thinking of your body in a sexual way because it is. It's something that was always very repressed. Even, even having sex with a partner was almost always, almost felt like something your partner was enduring for your sake. <laughs> like it never, you know what I mean? You, yeah. The idea that you could be sexy and turn someone on in that way, at least for me, yeah, never happened. I um, think a lot of men feel that way. For yeah. Me. And I, and that's the thing. There's always the, cause everyone's like, Oh, but you know, men just think they're the shit all the time and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, yeah, the loud ones do. That's why they like, yeah. <laughs> maybe the guys that are super loud, but your average friend is like horrified. Being Actually the loud guys that. don't either. They're, I know. they're protesting <laughs> all, too much. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. Dick pics in general, I think are a weird thing. It's a weird, yeah, we'll have to have a show about that. That's I missed whole... the wave, like where that yeah, started happening. Yeah. I like, like same with like, I didn't, I missed all the dating apps. I missed all of that stuff. How yeah. old are you? I'm 30 and, but I got married at 25 and we started dating when I was 22 or something okay. like that. So because of that, it's like, I just missed that wave of stuff. I think the only dating app that I exist, that existed when like me and my wife first started dating was Grinder, so I wasn't on that. <laughs> Probably and a lot then, of dick pics on that one. I th yeah. Most of them, I would say. <laughs> and then after that, like tin, like by the time like Tinder and all that came out, we had already been dating. Yeah. And one like, of one of the best um, internet things I've ever seen is uh, there's this like guy who may actually be like a real art critic because he's so specific in his um, critiques of these photos with like very kind of academic language. He just finds dick pics and then he critiques yeah. them. <laughs> Great. But he's just like, okay, this lighting is terrible. And yeah. he's like here. And one of his main critiques is he's like, 
if you have a big dick, it doesn't make it a good dick pic. You still have to take a good picture. And so he's always, <laughs> he's always like, actually like, you know, this guy with a smaller dick, actually, this is a much superior one. And, and he oh takes it really, God. it's really funny. It's really, that, I gotta check put that in the show anyway. notes. <laughs> yeah. We should, uh, we should move on to our, uh, advice our questions. Question. And you are also an advice question columnist. Yeah. So no, you I am. A lot we started, uh, big questions on chubster.com. Yeah. Like three months ago or something like that. It's fun. I like yeah. doing it. What do you like? What's your experience been so far? It's been great. It's um, our whole thing with ours is we made all the questions anonymous just mm-hmm. so people can ask whatever. Yeah. And instead of doing, because I used to do like some advice stuff, but always kind of more rapid fire, kind of off the cuff. So it's kind of fun that I'll write like you know, a thousand words on something that just happened and like one question and kind of go into it. It's been fun. I'm just like, you know, um, we were talking earlier. It's weird to say that you do things for fun, but it's like, no, I enjoy doing this. That's why I'm doing it. I noticed one thing about, um, your advice, which I, which made me kind of simultaneously ashamed and, uh, even a little jealous, which is that you often, just tell people to be direct and just yeah. to t- just to speak their feelings. And like there, there was one advice column you wrote. It was a question about, um, I think a colleague treating, uh, this guy really poorly. Yeah. Like bullying in the workplace. Yeah. yeah. And you were just like, just tell them you're, you're being mean and it's hurtful. And, um, it's and so I'm always disarming. like, <laughs> it's so weird. No, it's such like, I, I, I did it one time and it worked. Wow. <laughs> That's the only reason I told this guy to do it, but it's so, we don't, we're taught not to be direct and because we don't want to cause more drama. But if you do it in like a calm way where you're not causing drama, you're not throwing things, you're not being hysterical. Like this guy didn't uh, in that column, didn't say what the guy was saying to him, just that he'd been bullying in the workplace and that it really affected his work. And he didn't think he'd have to deal with this as an adult. And I was like, and I told him, I was like, yeah, you need to go up to him just be like, you're being mean. What you're doing is affecting my work and it, you're being hurtful deliberately. And I don't know why. And being that forward is so disarming because it's not a natural thing to do. You don't naturally right. do that. You either ignore or you go into full confrontation mode, but kind of just going straight at people just being like, why are you doing that? And then they'll try to make excuses because no one wants to think of themselves as a bad person. And if you come at somebody that directly of just being like, you're doing something that's mean and hurtful to me. And I'd, I'd, I'd like to know why you're doing that. They get kind of freaked out because all of a sudden now they're just being told they're not a great person. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really hard thing to deal with as an adult. Yeah. When you, when you gave that direct uh, kind of statement to someone. What was the context? What, how, it was what one of my close you? friends. It okay. was one of my close friends. And it got to a point where we all as friends like bust each other's balls and make fun of each other, but always in a playful, nice way. And one of my closest friends started like making a lot of fat jokes at me all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, let me ignore it. It's fine. It's cool. And then we were after a little while we're sitting in a bar and he made like three more and I looked at him and I said, you've been making a lot of fat jokes about me lately and I don't know why. 
And he's like, well, you guys don't make fun of me. And I'm like, I make fun of you for stuff you do. Not, not, not who you are and who you're like, what your physical appearance is. And I, and I said to him and I'm like, I just don't get it. Cause you're supposed to be my friend. And I don't know why you're deliberately saying things that you know were hurtful to me. And he's just kind of went into full blown panic mode where he's trying to defend himself, trying to be like, oh, well, you guys make fun of me. I'm like, I make fun of you because you said a word funny one time, like not because like I don't make fun of like who you are at your core. And after like a little bit of like floundering, he kind of like calmed down and then got quiet. And then later he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. And then he's never made a fat joke since. And it's like, OK, good. It works because it's weird. It's people don't like. As an adult, you don't think of yourself as the bad guy in the story. So when someone confronts you with of you're being you're being bad, like you're being mean. Yeah. It, it's 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 like an instant the person starts reevaluating everything they did in their head. Totally. All right, let's All right. so we're doing something a little usually we have one question, but we have okay. two two shorties that we're putting putting together and we'll see what we do with them. All right. Hey man. Awesome. My girlfriend is my girlfriend is very jealous. She's always accusing me of looking at women on the street, being attracted to waitresses, wanting to sleep with my female friends, or spending too much time texting, texting them. She thinks I'm going to cheat. I love her, but this is driving me crazy. What do I do? And this is the second one. Hey, man. Lately, I've come to realize that I'm insanely jealous of one of my coworkers. He's good looking. He comes from money and is always well-dressed, relaxed, and charming. Ever since he came onto our team, I feel like I'm being pushed out. I hate this guy. I don't show it, but it's taking a toll on me mentally. I know it's not productive, but I don't know what else to do. How do I move on or make peace? Awesome. Both on jealousy. Both on jealousy. Both, both sides of jealousy, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Any, any initial impressions? Well, the first one is is about a jealous partner, wife yeah. or girlfriend? Uh, I think girlfriend. Is that girlfriend? Yeah. Okay. Um and just just the first thing that that popped up to me that I wondered about is um in of my friends who have this problem with either being really jealous of their partner mm -hmm. or their partner being really jealous of them First of all, often there is a common thread, which is that one of them cheated at one point. <laughs> uh, a lot of the time. Like, no, like wrong. a lot of the time yeah. where like maybe they didn't even full on cheat. Maybe they had just been dating for like a month and they're like, oh, I didn't know we were exclusive. Exact, like exactly. that sort of weird yeah. stuff. No, totally. Um, so and whether or not there there has been some cheating or some um, unclarity early on in the relationship that later caused some disturbances, I feel like... Um, in jealous relationships, there's often just some old wound that hasn't really been addressed. Absolutely. And, um, and it's just being avoided. Uh, and that causes, um, some, uh, you know, that just causes this escalating jealousy thing to happen. Um, but that was just a, a thing that I, stuck out to me. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. And then at the same time, it's like what often stands out to me about jealousy. And I see this all the time. I have a lot of couples where this is happening. Yeah. It's like, Jealousy is a huge turnoff for people. It's like Man, even as you're, God. you're hurting, like you are driving the other person away. Yes. Um, Actually, you know what? One of the things that I love most about my wife is that she's a profoundly un, unjealous person. Um, and I'm, yeah. and, and actually I used to be a jealous person, but I think one effect she's had on me is that she's made me less jealous. I don't, I never feel worried about like, is she talking to that guy too long Same. or whatever? Cause we have mm -hmm. a tone that's mm -hmm. set in our, in our relationship. Let's also just, 
it's i feel like all jealousy in relation from a relationship standpoint we'll get to the other question yeah, yeah, later because yeah. that's a different type <laughs> but from a relationship standpoint like for example this guy's girlfriend it, it feeling jealous it's either from insecurity which right. is her own insecurities exactly you said like an old wound you know she never felt great about herself she thinks these other girls are, are better in some way or that you will think they're better in some way so there's she's insecure in who she is or it's commitment issues aka as we said earlier yeah. someone cheated or did something like someone a, already like put the planted the seed of that being a possibility right, that you are in fact not enough for this person no exactly yeah. and it's um and it's tough i mean what i one of the things you just kind of have to do when you have especially when you like me and my wife are lucky we are not it's same. We don't have jealousy, but we did in the beginning of our relationship. And after a while, but both of our insecurities were all by both of our jealousy was our own insecurities and kind of like being in our relationship. We kind of realized you're like, I'm insecure about myself. You're insecure about yourself. That's why <laughs> these are happening. Yeah. And the more we kind of like secure up each other, the more it just like went away. Now it's like not even a thought. What's what secure happen. up each other mean? Because that sounds like a good thing. It is a good thing. <laughs> just sort of being there. I mean, it's really easy to dispel feelings of like, oh, this person's going to cheat on me or I'm not enough or this person finds other people attractive by just being a good partner to each other. Mm. By just, yeah. you know, just honestly those little things every day of, you know, I love you, you look great today or something like that they get dismissed a lot, but it also it becomes kind of drilled into their subconscious right. of you're like, this person really likes me. They've said this every day so far. Right. I guess they really do like me. And I mean, it's the It's also just a track record of like, you know, we've been together eight years now and have never had a problem in, in with jealousy or with, yeah. with like cheating or anything like that. So you just sort of, or now you're like, no, we're, we're, we're solid. We're really good together just because always being there for the other person. I think, I think like, um, jealousy to me is almost always just an outgrowth of unhappiness. Yeah. And, and also just cheating, cheating. I feel like, okay, all three of us are married. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to make a wild guess or I'm going to, say what I think and I'm going to guess that you guys agree with me. We still get horny when we see other women who are really attractive. That's okay. Um, yeah. And that's okay, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, you're you're not going <laughs> to stop being attracted to yes. people. Yes. Right? As, the, as Chris Rock famously once said, you know, we all want to cheat. You can't cheat. No. Uh, uh, but 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 anyway, but but I think I think um I mean, I I, I know what you're saying. <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> we all we all uh are human beings, but I think people who actually There's, make that step of of infidelity usually are feeling some deep unhappiness. Right, it's it's in, not about it's not just about being attracted to other No, it's no. it's also what separates There's a lot of things that separate human beings from animals. Of course we'll find you know, other people physically attractive. It's natural. It's our animal instincts to do so. What separates us is the ability just is like, not just the intellectual side, but like the heart side of like having a soul and just being like, yeah, but I'm not going to do that. Cause that would destroy right. everything I've worked for. That would destroy this person who I love so much. And it's so not worth it to me. And by the way, your wife is also, I mean, it's, it's, 
particular props go to your wife because you spend a lot of your life probably around really stereotypically beautiful women. Oh, I, re <laughs> I remember posting a picture recently where I like also one, one reason me and my wife have always been good is because especially when this started with when modeling started for me, it was just total transparency about absolutely everything uh -huh. I've shown her. Um, if you, if ladies who have sent me naked photos, I was going to ask my yeah. wife has seen them all <laughs> guys who have sent me like dick and butt pics. My wife has seen them all. And it's just, it's always like, there's that transparency of it where I remember recently, um, I posted a photo of me giving a model, a piggyback ride, not for fun. It was a shoot. Like, like we were doing the thing. We weren't just hanging out. It yeah. was, it was, you know, for the ad. And even then I check, like, I always check with my wife. I'm like, is this okay with, I'm going to post this picture. Is this cool with you? And she's like, and my wife's cool. And she's always like, well, that brand posted it on, you know, a million catalogs. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but I'm just checking with you. And I posted it. And one of her friends was like, oh, I don't know how you can, how you can, I, I couldn't stand to see Zach, like, to see my partner like that. I couldn't like, I don't know how you can stand to see Zach doing stuff like that in photos. And my wife's like, he's at work. He's doing something. It, it's like, it's, it's okay. It happens. Good for her. Yeah. And I mean, well, it's the same with me. My wife's an actress also. So you kind of also get like, again, like kind of by fire, get used to that stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, my wife had scenes where she had like, like make out scenes with another person in her underwear in a film. And I'm right. just like, Oh, this is weird to watch. And you're like, <laughs> and you just kind of get used to it. You just know that it's part of the job. It's not ever real. And yeah. you know, the person's the other people doing it don't really want to do it. No one's ever psyched about doing like a love scene or like no one ever wants to do it. It's just a thing we have to do to tell the story. Yeah. And the people who do want to do it are weird. But <laughs> <laughs> Um, Let's think about the second guy, because um, yeah, and maybe we can figure out a way to uh, come up Wheel with some overarching theory that yeah. ties it all together. But I think the second guy, um, you know, it reminds me. We always ask guests to share um, one piece of advice that has really stuck with them, and it mm -hmm. actually reminds me of one of my favorite pieces of advice ever. Um, it comes from a self-help book that is written by one of the greatest philosophers in Western history, Bertrand Russell. He actually okay. wrote a self-help book, which is an amazingly well-written book that is not um, woke by today's standards. There is some like, he wrote it in like 1920. So like there's definitely some misogynistic and yeah. like not nice things he says about Asian people. But aside from that, not good stuff. The core like emotional advice he gives is really good. And it's called The Conquest of Happiness. And the first half of the book is about the causes of unhappiness. He lists the seven causes of unhappiness. The second half of the book is the seven causes of happiness. So one of his seven causes of unhappiness is jealousy uh -huh. or envy. And um, he has this phrase that has always stuck to me. He says, you know, um, if you can just focus on your own happiness rather than like, like if you think about what envy and jealousy is, it's such a weird phenomenon. Like other animals definitely don't have it. No. It's just a human thing. Like we are mad that somebody else has something that um, we think is good. Right? right. Like that's such a weird thing. And he said, like, if you just focus on your own happiness and feeling good about yourself, 
Um, ironically, you will be like the most envied person around because nothing is more enviable than happiness. That yeah. phrase has always stuck with me. Nothing is more enviable than happiness. It's true. And it's such a powerful thing to think about. So I think in both of these cases, obviously this is uh, like all, all jealousy and envy comes probably out of some sense of like just not being happy with who you are. Yeah. Jealousy is like, uh, it's a way of asking for what you want in the negative Right. It's like, fuck you. <laughs> when really yeah. what you're saying is I want you. No, totally. Right? It, it's, um, it's, it's similar to like what I was saying about the most jealousy comes down to insecurity when the, yeah. when the guy's like, Oh, I hate the guy's like, I hate this guy. He's good looking and he's charming and right. he's nice to everybody. And he gets like, you're just like, <laughs> those aren't bad qualities. Yeah. You're mad because those are things you wish. Exactly. As you said, those are things you wish you had. These are, and focusing like, like, like you said, Sam, like focusing inwards on yourself is really the only answer. You don't have to like people. That's another thing. You don't have to like this guy and it's fine. But if you're letting it get under your skin to the point where like this guy at work is like having trouble working and his skin's crawling because everyone likes this guy so much and he feels like he's getting pushed out. He's not getting put. I guarantee you, you're not getting pushed out. Like, it's all in your head. You're gonna push yourself out. Well, if yeah, you totally. keep, like if people you're gonna see yourself out. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But I also do want to just say, like, of course, it's extremely human to feel jealous. Totally. And, um, and and I think like the the key challenge is um, being aware when you have a moment of jealousy. Yeah. And then being like, okay, I'm human. I got jealous, but like jealousy is bad for me. And like, do I really want to like go to this place? Yeah. And, and, you know, having that conversation with yourself in the moment when you're, when you're feeling jealous, I yeah. feel like it, it gets problematic when you don't have the ability to note your own jealousy. No, yeah. You just let it take over. It becomes utterly poisonous. I think for sure that's important. The other thing that I worry about with this person is like, right. Like that insecurity. And if you're not so clear on like what am I offering yeah like what do I bring to the table or what's good about me then that's a recipe for feeling really shitty about yourself yeah you know um and that's harder to fix <laughs> or that's, no yeah. it, and you can either let it eat you but, but but like like you said Sam it's like you just need to honor the feeling that it's happening because part of us being more evolved is we can recognize that like, oh, I'm feeling jealous right now. I'm feeling this and just being like, okay, I can either let this destroy me and let things get worse or I can even use it as a motivator. I'm like, why is this guy's success bugging me? Because I don't have that. How do I fix it? I'm going to work hard to try to get more success and to be a better person and right. to get like this rather than you know, just like wallowing in yourself yeah. of why it's not working. I, I mean, wonder, I wonder what you guys think about this because I've, I, I've noticed it lately as it's become more mainstream. I've had a bunch of, uh, couples come into work with me where one person wants to have an open relationship and the other oh person does not. And some, and, but the person who does not would really like to, uh, be cool with it, but they're not. You know, yeah. um, understandably and making peace with their jealousy. That seems like a Herculean. I've actually never, it's never been successful that I can think of it. They never really get over it. No, I so don't. There's a limit to like, yeah, <laughs> I think when it comes to things like that, it's, 
you're either wired where that's okay or that's not because we are, you know, I'm as much as I've talked this, uh, this time about us being animals and following our urge. That's always, uh, something that people want open relationships use as their reasoning. It's like, we're animals. We're supposed <laughs> to procreate yeah. and it's natural. And you're like, yeah, to a point, but then Doesn't as feel I said earlier, <laughs> what makes us more evolved than animals is we've moved past that. We went from uh, herd to society and now there are ways to operate. If you want to be in an open relationship, that is wonderful. That only works if the other person wants to be in an open relationship yeah. also. It's never, I, I never understand it. Like the, um, I know it's different with like, it's a religious thing, but um, you remember that show Sister Wives? I've never seen it. Oh my God. I never got it. It's about, you know, like these people who are in like the fundamental Mormon church that still believes in polyg like an offset, not right. the, the real LDS church, but an offset that still believes in polygamy. And I never understood how like these women could just be cool with it because the women weren't allowed to have multiple husbands. Yeah. It was just the husband had like six wives and on the show, sister wives, he had four wives and they like all had to just be cool. And I remember in one of the episodes, he's like, I'm bringing home a new wife. And I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> this is not like, I don't to each their own if it works, but you need to like, it worked for like two of the women on the show and not others, but the two women on the show like deeply believed in it. And it's like you, polygamy and ultimate and like open relationships can only really work if the other people are totally cool with it. Yeah. And I feel like your, um, your clients who are not cool with it are so okay with being not cool <laughs> with it. I wouldn't be cool with it. Yeah. Like it's just not a thing I'm wired yeah. to accept. Yeah. Well, there's the, like, I feel like it, this gets into the larger question um, of acceptance versus being a doormat, right? Yeah. Like yeah. if, um, uh, you know, if someone is doing stuff that's bothering you, like if your wife is flirting constantly, you know, um, you know, I think that there is a point at which it's okay to be upset. Oh, and yeah. to confront her and be like, listen, it hurts me that you're doing it mm -hmm. this much. Mm -hmm. Or let's talk about, like, it would be fine if you, you know, flirted with other men, if you flirted a little bit more with me and complimented yeah. me a little bit more, then I would feel better about it. You know, and there's, but, but I don't know, it's, to me, it's a tricky balance of like figuring out, I think the answer to so many things is just like, let it go, just relax, yeah. like, don't let it bother you and, you know, have this inner peace. Um, but sometimes it's just like, you can't let it go because no. if your partner wants an open relationship and you're fundamentally not okay with it, yeah. uh, you know, you got to extricate well, yourself not, from that situation. It's not the right person for you. Yeah. Well, that's the but thing. The, and the first one, I mean, yeah. the first of these two advice questions that we have, yeah. Yeah. um, is different from the second because the second is clearly a dude, you got to let it go kind of thing. Right. You got to like, let it go and you got to work well, on I yourself. Think I think they're similar in this way. I think the the second one right we're sort of saying like this is information for you like your jealousy is telling you this guy has things that you want and don't worry about him like let it go in that respect but like honor your ambition right you yeah. want to you want to do better at work or you want to be liked and you want to figure out how to be likable yeah um so listen to that right that's the the more you work on your happiness 
the more successful you'll be. And I think in a way it's similar for this first one, which is your girlfriend is telling you that something is missing here, right? Maybe it's, maybe it is your fidelity. Maybe you yeah. did cheat on her and she picked up on it, but, but maybe not. she's not feeling loved in some way and you need to be more attentive to that. Yeah. You're not making her feel safe in some way. You don't right. make her feel safe in the relationship. And yeah. that's, I know that's something I look for in a relationship is I want, I can, I can, I don't do drama well when it comes to romance. I'm like, I just need to know that I'm safe. I need to know that we are here for each other and that I don't have to put up any pretenses around you and we can be our authentic selves. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I don't know who asked this question, but exactly, that could not be happening. She doesn't feel secure I in mean, one way. And I think you should maybe be honest with himself that he's probably trolling her a little bit. <laughs> oh, I think yeah. if you're, if you're doing this, um, in a really blatant way, always, you know, making eyes at the woman passing you yeah. on the street and turning around and checking her out. It's like that, that famous gif of the guy turning around. And he's with <laughs> oh, with the girl. If you're that guy, <laughs> you're doing it. If you're honest with yourself, you're doing it to, to in part, to get a rise out of your yeah. wife, um, mm. to upset her. You are doing it. Like maybe there's something unacknowledged, like you want her to be jealous. You'd right. like, exactly. you want to feel like she wants you. He's probably the same guy that watches a movie with her and just being like, isn't Charlize there and gorgeous. And you're just like, <laughs> you didn't have to say that. Man. <laughs> we all know she's gorgeous. <laughs> Don't tell that to your girlfriend. <laughs> like, especially yeah, when you know that the person has issues with, with like feeling secure and like jealousy. I'm like, don't just like kind of rub it in her face like yeah. that. It, yeah, it's, yeah. if you want to be with this girl, your job is to make her feel safe and secure. Yeah. And that's kind of what you have to focus on. And you can, and, and I'm sure he'll start catching things that he's doing, like commenting on movies or making eyes at the waitress. And he'll be like, Oh, I do do that. Yeah. That's not good. And you know, I think a lot of when I've, when I've worked with couples like this, like what the guy often does which makes sense but doesn't work is like they try to minimize everything because i think they think it'll be reassuring like i wasn't looking at her or no it's fine like don't worry about it but like all they hear is like my reality isn't real to you it's not happening yeah. you don't care they're basically gaslighting yeah. yeah yeah some one thing that i do especially that i work in the modeling field and i'm surrounded by beautiful women all the time I will never say anything about another girl's, like another model's looks or anything like that until my wife says it first. And even then, you just agree with what she says. You're like, yeah, she is. She's pretty. Like, uh -huh. you never, like, <laughs> and like, it is. I'm so glad you mentioned that. <laughs> no, exactly. But you, you're not, that's also weird to deny it. It's like, because that's another thing that people do. It's like, oh, that girl's, right, you know, right, right. Oh, uh, this, um, oh, is she? Cindy oh. Crawford's really beautiful. And noticed. you're just kind of like, oh, really? She looks kind of plain to me. No, not she my doesn't. Type. <laughs> yeah. You're like, it. you just, it just be a person. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so much of it is just about relaxing and being a person. Yeah. I realize that's like my whole life philosophy. And because my, my, everything has changed so much for me in the last, like, even like five years since I just like, chilled out and I wish I knew better how to like tell people I'm like just chill like so much less matters than we think it does that's uh that's pretty amazing that you got there so quickly I know <laughs> like no I mean well it became from like bombarding myself down and I still you know it's not a permanent state I'm not yeah, like yeah. a Buddha with a permanent mm -hmm. state of zen it's just more like just being like there are bigger problems like we get an argument everyone's arguing about 
whether or not the Little Mermaid's black right now. And yeah. meanwhile, like they're putting out um, notices that we have 12 years before we're all dead right, from, right. from like <laughs> from massive sea level changes and climate migration and all that. And it's like, why are we talking about this other stuff? Yeah. It's just like you, you kind of realize in the grand scheme of things, you're like, this does not matter. This has no bearing on my life. Well, that kind of, I guess, brings us to I'm wondering if you usually we wrap things up with a piece of advice that someone else has given you or that uh -huh. you've gotten from, from something that still stays with you or that, that means something to you. And I'm wondering, uh, yeah. Um, I'll first give like a piece of advice that not even advice. It's really more just a statement. Somebody said to me once that changed my way of thinking. Um, and then I also want to say something that I know I wish someone had told me at mm. one point. Um, so when I was in acting school, I was going to the American Academy of Dramatic Art in New York City, and we were doing our graduation plays. I had this director named Brad Rouse, and we were doing a play called Loose Knit. I don't remember the writer's name. Not Lillian Hellman, but someone, another female writer. It's very, just a funny, light comedy. And I wasn't getting it. Like, I wasn't, there. he could tell I was holding back or something was happening. And he just took me aside and he said, hey, can I talk to you for a second, Zach? And I said, sure. And he goes, okay, just so you know, it's okay to be a big guy. People are still going to like you as a big guy. And then he just like walked away. And I was like, oh, really? And, and it, it's so simple, but I like, no one had told me that. And for oh. me, since so much of my insecurities were wrapped up with my body and my physical appearance, having someone tell me that like, you know, people still like you like this it was just a weird experience because no one had ever told me that before. Everyone who told me like anytime I complain about like, oh, I feel unattractive. Girls don't like me, blah, blah, blah. People's response would be like, well, you know, you just got to like just, you know, join a gym and start dieting and like, like take care of yourself. And yeah. it, which to me, and, you know, trying to be encouraged. But for me, it was, yeah, it was exactly. It was being told, be a different person. And he was the first person ever to be like, you're totally okay. And, and I think it's important to remember that you're okay where you are right now. You don't like, and it kind of ties into my other little piece of advice is like, life is so weird and it makes no sense and it's such a strange journey and you don't know what's gonna happen and you can't wait to like who you are you can't wait to like yourself till you hit a certain amount of goals or something like that because you just this is the, this is the you in this chapter and it's really fun that this is the you in this chapter and all these goals and stuff that you have in life that you want to do. I know people get, especially people in the creative field, they get really, really down on themselves for like, oh, my career's not going where I want. I'm not playing the right clubs. I'm not around the right TV show. I'm not in the right magazine. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And what I always tell people is I was like, the job that you were like meant to do and, and your, your purpose in life, if you want to call it, probably hasn't even been invented yet. And you can't, I never like I'm modeling. 
that wasn't a thing. That right. was never like anytime I tell young kids like that, I'm like, what you're going to do for a living? Like, what do you want to do for a living? I want to do this. What you're doing for a living probably doesn't exist yet, but it's going to exist. And you just got to be flexible and you just have to go with it and you have to cut yourself as much slack as you can and realize that nothing's perfect. I remember we adults had do not have it figured out. We all know now that we're adults, right. but as a child, you're like, no, you have to have everything figured out by a certain age. You don't, we're all making this up together and we're just trying. And so once you kind of realize everyone else around you is just making it up, it makes it way easier to just kind of be like, I'll just, yeah, I'll see what happens. I'll make it, I'll make it up too. I mean, be ambitious, follow your plans, do what you want to do, but don't be afraid to like go to another thing. Right. Just because you've put so much effort into one thing, all of a sudden this other opportunity comes along. You don't have to be like, no, I can't do that because I have to do this thing. I've sacrificed so much for this thing. And I'm like, well, this thing might've prepared you for that thing. So I love, I love what you said about you can't wait to, like yourself. Yeah. I think so many people, myself included, just have the attitude of like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to like myself, but it'll be after I check these boxes. Totally. Right? And, um, uh, but I guess the only question I have, even though I completely wholeheartedly agree with the sentiment, you can't wait. You just have to like yourself right now. Yeah. Um, what do you say to somebody who comes back to you and is like, well, if I like myself now, then I'm going to get complacent and I'll stop working hard and I'll just sit on my couch. No, you're not. Cause one of the things you like about yourself is that you're working hard right now to get things done. <laughs> you could be complacent and you'll start not liking yourself. Also, if you do settle into yourself and you are a happy person and you are just sitting on your couch, that's cool. Like there's no real rule that you have to be doing life changing things every day. Um, I th I'm a huge advocate of always pushing yourself to the next level, but I realize that not everyone is built that way. I'm built that way. I always want it. The idea of like sitting in an office every day and doing the same job for 40 years freaks me out and I wouldn't be able to do it. But for some people that's, that works. And that's, I feel like we, in this like entrepreneur culture, we put such like a shame on that for people not having a hustle for people not right. working to do things. We were talking earlier about hobbies. People don't have hobbies anymore. Things they do for fun because yeah. we have to monetize every single thing we do. And Unless you have podcasts like us. Unless you have podcasts <laughs> like us. I'm bringing in tens of dollars. <laughs> like, but um, no, it's... You're not going to get complacent if you stop... If you start liking yourself. There's a difference between stopping liking yourself and stopping pushing yourself, always yeah. push yourself, always try to move your life forward if that's what you want. Because if you have a goal, you need to work towards it. But if you're happy with yourself and you like you're, it just makes that push way easier because you know why you're doing it. You yeah. know, it's funny. I mean, you'll see this as your daughter grows, but like when you go to the playground, like, the kids uh, obviously have three daughters. I have three. Yeah, nice. So. <laughs> I'll have a lot she of questions. You need some daughter questions. Yeah. Go to go to doctor. <laughs> I'll have a lot in the future. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. But like you know, the kids play when they're happy. 
Yeah. You know, if you're not happy, that's when you don't push yourself. Exactly. Right. If you're scared, you don't go on the fucking monkey bars. <laughs> you sit down, you know, like you cling to your parents. Yeah. Like it, it's, you only thrive when you feel good. So yeah, I think you're right. Like, don't worry about that. That's like a, that's a straw man argument. It like, is. It's completely- if you feel good, then you'll do something good. If yeah. you don't feel good, that's when you're going to, that's more likely when you're going to sit on your couch. You're yeah. naturally going to think about any time you felt great with yourself. You're like, guys, it's a good day. Let's go do something. Like, let's right. get out of here. Let's go yeah. do. It's just, your, yeah. As you said, it's your natural reaction. Well, when you're depressed, you're like, I'm going to nap all day. <laughs> like- <laughs> but, you know, I think I do think our culture, especially in America, is deeply ingrained. We have this deeply ingrained idea that um, in this hyper capitalist society where everything is monetized, that um, you have to be kind of unhappy to be driven. Well, that you know? works yeah. too. It works to a point. It's, some, it's like some it's not people bullshit. it helps. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just like running on dirty fuel or something. Like it eventually you're gonna pay the price, but it, it yeah. does work. Yeah, yeah. You have to be happy enough to want. You you have to be like not unhappy, but it's okay to be unsatisfied with where mm-hmm. you're at mm-hmm. and wanting to get to a higher plateau, but generally not liking yourself like there's a there is exactly there's something to be said for not being happy so i'm going to make a change right. and you should be doing that but you shouldn't your your idea shouldn't be i'm a real piece of shit i need to change this your idea should be i'm not happy so i'm going to work towards being happy yeah there's a um a buddhist uh saying something i'm going to mangle it but it's something like um you're perfect just as you are and you could use some self-improvement. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, I like that. So anyway, we know you have to catch yeah. a uh, audition now, but Thank we really you appreciate you coming in. No, this was a blast. And where can people find you on social yes. media? Uh, they can find me at Zach Miko, Z-A-C-H-M-I-K-O, across all of them, two of them. I don't know how many platforms there are. Instagram and Twitter. I think I'm on Facebook. I don't really know, but Instagram is like my main thing. Yeah. And then, yeah, you can read, reach me there. Uh, my podcast is called uh, big things with Zach Miko on all the podcast places. Um, and you can read big questions on Chubster once a week when that comes out. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Zach. Awesome. Thank you guys. Guys, please check out the Hey Man podcast. Please subscribe. Um, And if you haven't subscribed to us, subscribe to us too. Guys, we like subscriptions. Everyone likes subscriptions. Please rate and review both podcasts. You can follow me on social media at Zach Miko, Z-A-C-H-M-I-K-O. Everyone, please stay cool out there. Everyone... Just just hold it together. I know the summer's hot, but we're we're getting through it, and beautiful fall is going to be here before you know it, and you're going to be sipping apple cider and wearing flannel, and it's the most wonderful time of year. But until then, remember to go out in the world and do big things. Ba-da, 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 ba-da.